This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio and now in its 26th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. This is a special edition of America on the Road because we have just returned from the Chicago Auto Show where cool trucks were the theme. And we'll expand on that with interviews with two men responsible for some of the coolest trucks on the show floor. We'll have much more about that coming up. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. I'm Jack Rad, and with me is not co-host Chris Teague. Unfortunately, Chris has a bit of a stomach bug today, so he can't be with us. We wish him well. I hope he has a speedy recovery and will be with us next week. All of that means I'm alone at the wheel today, so please hang in there with me. The good news is that this week we don't have just one terrific guest for you, but we have two. Harry Gronoveld is the uh, chief engineer on the just-introduced Ford Bronco Raptor high-performance desert runner, one of the coolest vehicles we've seen introduced in a long, long time. We sat down with him and had a nice chat with him about uh, that cool truck. We also had a great chat with Hiran Patel. He is the head of Nissan's North American Design Operation. He'll be giving us the details about the cool Nissan Frontier concept trucks that were unveiled at the Chicago Auto Show. And they are very, very cool. In the road test segment, we have some surprises for you as well. Our road test vehicle is the 2022 Volvo XC40 Luxury SUV. And that's always a, a favorite. Uh, many, many flavors of that. And we'll talk about that. And the bonus is our recent test of the Airstream Pottery Barn Edition 28-foot travel trailer. That's a travel trailer. We don't test travel trailers very often on the show. In fact, this is a first. But my wife Sandy and I got a chance to experience the uh, Airstream recently, and we had a blast doing it. It was a lot of fun. We were up in Ojai, California in the Airstream trailer, so we'll tell you all about that. Uh, before we do any of that, though, we want to bring you this interview with Ford Bronco Raptor Chief Engineer Ari Gronefeld. He is a really interesting guy and uh, such an interesting truck. Um, they have done a lot of very, very cool things to it. So um, I think you'll enjoy this interview that we uh, conducted actually at the show in a Ford F-150 pickup truck. So stay with us for that coming up. That's coming up next right here on America on the Road. Thanks so much for being with us, and uh, stay with us for that interview coming right up. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jackie Red back with you. We're at the Chicago Auto Show. We're actually sitting in a Ford F-150 hybrid truck, and I'm with the uh, the man of the hour here. Ari Grenoveld is uh, the Bronco Raptor chief engineer. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, and hey, you're, you should be very proud of it. I'm glad you are, uh, because I think it's probably the vehicle of the show. A very exciting vehicle. Tell our listeners what it's all about. Yeah, so really, when we saw the capability of the base Bronco and the reception that it received from customers, we thought, gosh, there's capability there, and we know how to do Raptors. We know how to make desert-running vehicles. So what we did is we started strategizing on what would it take to do that to the base Bronco and at the same time not take away from the rock crawling capability of the base Bronco. 
So that's what we've done. We've actually achieved a vehicle that's every bit a Bronco, uh, every bit a Bronco Raptor, excuse me, while maintaining the Bronco rock crawling capability and maybe lifting that up a little bit as well. So is that hard to do? I, I, I can't imagine it's easy to do. Are, are they kind of antithetical or are they, do they go hand in hand? So um, the, the good news is that within Ford Performance, we're familiar with Raptors and we're utilizing the same team that worked on the F-150 Raptor. So all those lessons learned within our, um, our relatively small team was able to uh, be translated into this vehicle. And we've really hit our target. Very cool. One of the lessons learned, I think, is width, right? I mean, you have really increased the width of uh, the Bronco for this, for this use as the Raptor. Uh, yeah. Why is that? Tell us all about yeah, that. Yeah, so the key for the width, and it's the same width as what you see on an F-150 Raptor, it's about stability of the truck. So stability of the truck in its natural environment, you're going highway speeds in the desert, you want to feel planted as you're doing that. So that's the key to it, is really the track width. Okay, big tires too, and big tires with big sidewalls. Tell our listeners yeah, about that. Yeah, so our wheels are 17-inch wheels, but the tires are standard 37-inch BF Goodrich KO2 all-terrain tires. So it's a really big tire. In fact, it's the biggest tire offered by as standard equipment by any of the domestic uh, producers on an SUV. And it's, it's a great tire. It enables, um, among other things, combined with the uh, travel, suspension travel that we have, we have an approach angle of 47 degrees, ground clearance of 13.1 degrees. So the- 13.1 inches probably, right? Yeah, I'm sorry if I say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 13.1 inches, yes. Yeah, and uh, significantly increased. I, what is the uh, ground clearance on the standard Bronco? Uh, it depends on whether or not you're looking at a base or if you're looking at one of the other packages around the you know, top of the line of like the Badlands. So compared to a base, it's more than four inches of additional ground clearance. Right. It seems like this vehicle, the uh, Bronco Raptor, is a fast follower to the introduction of the uh, Bronco. You know, sometimes it seems like these, these specialty vehicles come a little bit later. Was yeah. it developed in conjunction with the, the Bronco or, you know, was it, uh, tell me how it was developed. Yeah, so the base Bronco was moving forward before we came up with this concept. So as we were strategizing, we knew what the base Bronco was going to be. Uh, before it launched, and we started down that road of developing a Bronco Raptor at that point. So um, we uh, we thought of the the idea of a Bronco Raptor after the base program had started moving. Yeah. So we've talked about a couple of the key aspects: yeah. added width, the tires, added ground clearance. Uh, what are some of the other? Uh, certainly, yeah. there is an engine we can talk oh, about here. That's a, a, a big, <laughs> big deal. So uh, maybe we should talk about that. But we should talk, you know, kind of yeah. kick down all of those okay. things. Yeah. So um, under the hood, we have even more power. So it's the most powerful of the uh, the Bronco lineup. So um, we have a three-liter twin-turbo EcoBoost that was developed by Ford Powertrain to our Ford Performance requirements, and we're targeting over 400 horsepower. Um, in addition to that, from a functional standpoint, the travel, getting back to the increased travel of the suspension, the travel in the front is 13 inches of travel. In the rear, um, the rear wheel travel is 14 inches. So that's massive travel. And um, it combined with the Fox shock technology and the Ford performance calibration of the electronic, of the electronic interface to that, 
it really provides um, the control, the feeling of confidence when you're driving at higher speeds. So it enables higher speeds when you're when you're driving. Yeah, I mean, let's dive into that because I think when you're desert running, the suspension is absolutely critical. All of that stuff that you've just talked about yeah. is absolutely critical. And at the same time, you have the electronically controlled shocks mm -hmm. that, so walk us through that. Yeah, so um, the suspension is, we'd call it the crown jewel of the Raptor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that technology is interfacing to, um, meaning the Fox shock technology in the module that we have that controls the shocks. It's looking at various inputs from sensors all around the vehicle. So for example, on the Bronco Raptor, we have ride height sensors on all four wheels. So we know when someone decides to jump their Bronco Raptor. And the Fox shocks can, um, uh, it, they know that the vehicle's in the air. And so it receives a signal like, hey, we're coming down again. So we're gonna start landing. So it'll go to a much more firm setting as the vehicle comes down. And that goes for driving um, through the desert um, really on any terrain. So that technology is forecasting what is likely ahead of the customer. So if a customer is accelerating into a certain, uh, starts to accelerate, it's, it's looking at the various sensors in the vehicle and coming up with a, um, an output of, well, it's probably that they're going into less severe terrain. So um, really fantastic technology, the same technology that we use on F-150 Raptor that our customers love. And uh, when you drive an F-150 Raptor versus a Bronco Raptor through our desert testing, we're seeing that they're keeping pace with each other. So you're getting the same performance in that desert um, environment between the F-150 Raptor and the Bronco Raptor. What is, uh, you know, I guess we've kind of alluded to some of them, but certainly driving in that kind of situation at highway speeds yeah. involves a lot because the surface is, is you know, right. very compromised right, versus, right. versus a highway, right? So tell us about the, the special requirements there. The special requirements. Um, let me understand your question a little bit better in terms of how the vehicle... In, in terms of what, let's say, each wheel is encountering and how it deals with that. Yeah, so that algorithm that we're using to control the shocks, it, there's multiple sensors in the vehicle. So there's unfortunately not a very simple explanation of what it's doing. But I can tell you that those... That's a shame because I'm a simple guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so our Ford Performance team knows what to do and to interpret those signals and then we do extensive testing to make sure that we've made that calibration correctly right and you talked about rock crawling too and of yeah. course that's you know at almost no speed right two or three miles an hour can sometimes be, right? can be fast right yes. uh in that kind of situation so how do they play together yeah so um we take the base broncos capability and uh, we haven't lost any of that rock crawling capability so we have rock rails as standard equipment on the Bronco Raptor. That's not on the F-150 Raptor, but on this particular truck where we're looking more in the Ultra 4 space versus like the trophy truck space, we anticipate that people will take this vehicle into the rocks. So rock rails, you have that. So, hey, if, if you rub against a stone or a rock, it's there to protect the vehicle. But we've also attached running boards to those rock rails and uh, proud of the team with coming up with the idea of making those running boards easily removable by the customer 
so that they can expose the rock rails as opposed to the running boards, but still have the ergonomic benefit of getting in and out of the vehicle on a, on a daily basis. In fact, a lot of the stuff on Bronco is removable, right? Yes. Doors and all that stuff. And, and you've retained that, which is a very cool thing, right? Yeah. The, the modular design of the, the Bronco has been a key point for customers. And we've retained that on the Bronco Raptor. Yeah, well, we were kind of wondering, we were talking about this vehicle on the show, I think maybe just last week, and wondering if the, the modular uh, nature of the Bronco made it easier to de- develop this vehicle. Uh, in terms of being easier to develop, I think it was, um, I, I wouldn't say easier. I'd say it took thoughtfulness in the design to anticipate what the customer wanted to do how they use their vehicles. So I wouldn't say if it made it any easier. Um, I think it required a thoughtful approach, um, perhaps more so than other vehicles where you don't have that modularity. At the same time, I think you you know the mindset of this driver, right? The people who are going to own these vehicles. Yes. And it's purpose-built, right? So you have a pretty good idea of what, what this requires. Right? Yes, and, and that's where the engineers interface with, uh, with, with customers to understand that, and they were getting early input of what is a customer going to want to do, and how do they want to execute whatever that modularity is. So, um, yeah, we, we had an idea, and then we confirmed it with our customers to make sure that it was fitting that uh, that need and want. What are the things in, in this vehicle you think are kind of breakthrough that you are so proud of, of the fact that your team was able to put together? So I, I think that gets back to accomplishing everything that a Raptor is and taking the rock crawling to the next level. So um, and one of the other features relative to, to rock crawling when you ask that question that I didn't mention is we have a disconnectable stay bar front stay bar. So that gives more articulation on the front wheels. That's not something that the F-150 Raptor has as we go into that Ultra 4 space. When will this come to market? When will people uh, be able to go out and buy a Bronco Raptor? Yes, it's going to be available in the summer. And um, so we're exciting. We're very excited to see this out in the wild. And uh, I think our customers are going to love it. I think they will, too. I mean, how much? Uh, uh, certainly you did a ton of off-roading. Where did you do it, number one? I'm kind of curious because I live in Southern California, so I'm wondering if you were out near me doing yeah, this. But, so, and, and, you know, tell us all a bit about the development of this thing. Yeah, so our uh, development teams from Ford Performance uh, go out to, for example, uh, Borrego. You're probably familiar with Borrego. I indeed, yes. And we go to Johnson Valley. There's other sites that we go to, but those are primary sites where we do a lot of testing, and uh, our engineers spend a lot of time there. Yeah, and probably talk to a lot of people out there who have very definite opinions, I would imagine, on on what a uh, vehicle like this should be, right? Yeah, well, we know from our customers of the F-150 Raptor what they like uh, in terms of the DNA of the truck, and we had a lot of positive, I mean, F-150 Raptor has been very successful. And so the formula that we use on that truck is working for the customers on the Bronco Raptor. And then when you couple that with the rock crawling capability of the base vehicle, it's it's great. It's a, Is there a way for you to sum up what that formula is, kind of, you know, without tipping things to <laughs> So the, the key things for our Raptor is really about the track width. It's about the suspension. It's about uh, the technology associated with the shocks. It's about the tires and really about the engine combination with the chassis. So amongst those... Well, and dive into that a little bit. You're probably talking about torque delivery and all that stuff, uh, you know. Yeah, so we we look at um, 
as obviously the, the three liter is unique to this product um, within the Bronco lineup, we test it obviously to make sure that's fulfilling our expectations in terms of what does the torque curve look like and is that is that what we need for optimal performance out in the desert or in the rocks? And that's what we fine tune. Well, I can't wait to drive this vehicle. Oh, I, absolutely. It will be a blast. Uh, and thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Nice to meet you. Harry Groenveld, Chief Engineer on the Bronco Raptor. Yes, thank you. Very exciting. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road. Jackie Red with you. Unfortunately, Chris Teague is not with us this week, but uh, stay with us as we have so much more coming up for you, including the road test segment, which is coming up right now. I, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Ari Groneveld, who is the uh, chief engineer on the Ford Bronco Raptor. What a cool vehicle, and uh, I think it was a good interview. I, I learned a lot, certainly. I hope you did, too. And now uh, let's talk uh, about the Volvo XC40. A compact crossover, uh, one of the most popular in that segment. Uh, Volvo has infused this crossover with distinctive styling. This is not something that looks like anything else out there. And there is the availability of a battery electric version, but we're going to talk a bit about the gasoline version here. The base model it has a turbocharged four-cylinder engine powering the front wheels. Other versions offer all-wheel drive. There's a more powerful engine. We're going to talk about about that and uh, like I say there's a battery electric which is almost a different vehicle. The Volvo XC40 definitely breaks the mold of the typical compact crossover and, and you know the look of those things they all kind of look alike but uh, certainly the uh, XC40 doesn't look like them. It has a very distinct roofline and side window treatment two elements that are especially distinctive. It's also taller than many of its competitors and there's advantages to that. Uh, especially in terms of uh, interior space. So this isn't uh, the typical luxury SUV with that giant oversized crazy grill and, and that kind of thing. It's a, a good-looking vehicle in its own right, and you won't mistake it for anything else. The interior is not as plush as the interior of the XC90 midsize three-row SUV, but it's well-styled. It's a very comfortable haven, you might say. Uh, in the Volvo tradition, it goes light on ornamentation and is minimalist without seeming stark or cold, which I try for in my personal life and very rarely make. Uh, the base Volvo XC40 Momentum has leather seats, eight-way adjustable power driver's seat, uh, and a bunch of other stuff, remote keyless entry with proximity key, remote start. So that's a bunch of good stuff in just the base model. One of the things we always are happy about when we're driving a Volvo are the seats. They are about the best seats out there, orthopedically designed, uh, really comfortable, very adjustable, and uh, they just get better and better. And uh, there is natural finish, real wood trim, not on the seats, but on the dash and around the cabin as you climb the price level there. When it comes to infotainment system, it's interesting that the XC40 Recharge, the battery electric, has a completely different infotainment system than the non-battery uh, powered X XC40s, which are the, those are the subject of, of this review. They have the Volvo Census infotainment system. It's a previous system. It has a nine inch touchscreen interface. It uses uh, multi-tile layout, I think helps clarity. I think that's a good thing for them to do. 
It has navigation. Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are all standard. I would say using the system is not as intuitive as in some competitive systems. Um, in fact, the system in the XC40 Recharge, which is newer, is easier to use, which I guess is a good thing. One of the things I think baby boomers might miss is AM radio. Uh, the system doesn't have it, or it doesn't appear to have it. If, it, if it's there, it's uh, very well hidden. Uh, the system does have a Wi-Fi hotspot, however. If you are looking for upscale sound, and who doesn't want upscale sound, uh, a 13-speaker, 600-watt Harman Kardon system is available. It has an air-ventilated subwoofer and plenty of power. The vehicle we had was the T5, had the T5 powertrain. That's a two-liter four-cylinder that develops 248 horsepower, uh, a lot of torque as well, 258 pound-feet of torque. It uses an eight-speed automatic transmission. It was all-wheel drive, and uh, we liked it a lot. I have plenty of horsepower, nice acceleration. I wouldn't say super sporty acceleration, but plenty of acceleration. It's just a good all-around car. It just feels very, very good. The XC40 Recharge has 402 horsepower. Uh, it just it takes that to a whole different level. I think all that said, typical luxury crossover drivers will be perfectly happy with the XC40 with the uh, T5 or even the T4 power plants. I think they're, they're just fine. Uh, comfortable seating, plenty of luggage space for five passengers. As you would expect from a Volvo, a very long list of active safety and driver assist features. The most prominent is probably city safety. Uh, includes all of, the Volvo's, uh, all of Volvo's collision avoidance technologies. Uh, and there are a bunch, including large animal detection. I love that. I love detecting large animals uh, whenever I can. It also has pilot assist, hands on the wheel, semi-autonomous steering. So that's fun to use in the right places. Uh, plenty of cargo space. Fuel economy is good at about 22 miles per gallon in the city, 30 miles per gallon on the highway. So overall, this is a vehicle uh, that I just like a lot. Some people might not care for its looks, but I think a lot of people really do like its looks, and I think distinction is a good thing here. For around forty dollars to $50,000, I mean, that's a lot for a compact utility these days, but I certainly, certainly think uh, the Volvo XC40 is worth it. So take a look at the Volvo XC40, a really, really good vehicle. And now I'd like to take a look at the 2022 Airstream Pottery Barn 28-foot travel trailer. Something we don't typically do here on America on the Road, but we had the opportunity to test the Airstream trailer. I've always wanted to be in one. I mean, I've been in a few, but I have not stayed overnight in an Airstream trailer. We got the chance to do that recently, my wife and I, uh, in Ojai at a, uh, a very cool place where they have Airstream trailers. And we were testing the Pottery Barn Special Edition Travel Trailer. It is gorgeous. A spacious galley, what you and I would call a kitchen, has a nice little dining area. One of the things I liked a lot was it has this big couch uh, that goes kind of across the whole front of the uh, Airstream and uh, nicely finished. I have not tested travel trailers before, but I did live on a 34-foot boat for many years uh, before I, I got married. So I, I feel kind of at home in a 28-foot travel trailer. There's a lot of similarities to a, a sailboat and I, I feel fairly competent in uh, reviewing the, this trailer. Uh, it has a nice kitchen. The galley is on uh, one side of the, uh, the travel trailer itself with uh, all the requisite, requisite appliances, including a, a pretty big refrigerator and, of course, a, 
stove, all of that, uh, like that. Across from that is a solid oak wood table. That's part of the Pottery Barn thing. It's not just a, a wood table, but it's solid oak and premium and, and looking good. Uh, so we like that. And then it has a residential bathroom is how they describe it. Uh, it has a, a bowl sink. I would say the bathroom might be a little challenging for those who don't spend a lot of time in boats or trailers. The sink and the uh, toilet are in one fairly small section of the trailer. And then the shower is across the way. Behind that, though, is a, a nice roomy queen-size bed. Uh, that can be twin beds if you're of a hankering to have that kind of uh, arrangement instead, but uh, it was nice to have that big queenside bed. And uh, we enjoyed being in the travel trailer a lot. I think it's an excellent place. Uh, what, what I determined was this has very premium fixtures. Airstream does a good job. There's a reason uh, that they are noted as the premium travel trailer in the world. And uh, this is just first class all the way. Uh, I guess it should be with a list price of something like $160,000. But what a wonderful trailer this is. I mean, I would uh, gleefully spend a lot more time in an Airstream like this or any other Airstream. Learn to tow properly and do all those things that uh, one should do when they have a, a travel trailer of this quality. So uh, if you want a first-class travel trailer, well, this Airstream Pottery Barn Edition is certainly certainly fills that bill. So we're Sandy and I are grateful to have had the opportunity to uh, spend some time in it and, and understand it better. And uh, I look forward to my next time in an Airstream trailer. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Well, coming up next uh, in our continuing special about the best of the Chicago Auto Show, our, our special guest is Hiren Patel. He is head of Nissan's North American Design Center. So stay with us for that. He will be talking about the special edition Frontier pickup trucks that were unveiled at the show. So Stick around. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jeff Murad with you. And uh, we're so glad to have uh, a great guest with us um, introducing some really cool trucks here at the Chicago Auto Show. Hiran Patel is with us. Thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it, Chief Designer. Yeah, thanks for having, thanks for having me on. You showed... Uh, and are showing at the Chicago Auto Show some um, concept trucks based on the the brand new, I still call it brand new, uh, Nissan Frontier. Uh, tell us a bit about what you've been showing here. Um, these three these three concepts, they kind of started off as uh, daydreams, basically. Um, when we got done uh, designing the, the new truck, and we do it all the time, all the designers kind of uh, have little sketches that they dream up their you know potential uh what their potential truck could be like right um, and just so like we did in you know junior high right basically junior yeah high. yeah yeah so it's kind of like it's the adult version of that like kind of drawing in geography class so i was probably drawing during an engineering meeting or something like that not doing my homework um but yeah so it they they started off as sketches like that and there's probably a few dozen of them and uh you know people poke behind your desk and see what you're working on. And, and a lot of people, uh, especially in the studio in, in San Diego, uh, we did the whole truck. So the whole studio's behind this truck, you know, and really passionate about it. And so, you know, one of my friends came over and he's a big Baja truck guy. And so we, I did a Baja truck for him. And then, you know, just stuff like that. It started off with just some sketches and um, it gained a little bit of traction within the company that this might be a cool way for us to show 
uh, potentially what you could do with your own frontier to to the public and so uh, we got a chance to build these three trucks yeah so well I would think as a designer it's probably good to have some of that stuff you know in the drawer somewhere to when the boss comes by you are the boss but when the boss comes by to uh, uh, see what you've been working on to have uh, a few things what do you think about this this is kind of cool right is that something that uh, designers typically do um, yeah, that is something that designers typically do. Uh, we still have sketch reviews when, when our bosses come in, and so there'll be sketches up on the wall, and sometimes if it's not your project, you still put it up on the wall somewhere else, and maybe maybe when they walk by it, they'll, they'll see it, and it'll pique an interest, or it'll lead to another idea somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's talk a bit about what you're showing here in Chicago. Uh, because cool stuff and, and three totally different iterations in a lot of ways yeah. of, of the frontier. Uh, let's go one by one. Yeah, we did these three on purpose um, to be really different from each other. Um, we chose different grades. So the first one is uh, the based on an S-grade crew cab truck. And that's, um, that's more of like a throwback feeling, uh, that truck. It was inspired by the Nissan slash Datsun 720 generation uh, pickup truck. And during the design process of the Frontier, like I, I have a lot of images and advertisements and just stuff like that, just inspiration. And the 720 was one of the cool trucks that uh, I feel from our history. And I like that time period. I like the fun that that time period evokes, like um, having a mid-sized truck, uh, going fishing, camping. It's all kind of like lighthearted. And so I wanted to... And about what time period was that? That's uh, late 70s, early 80s. So um, probably, I think that truck was from 78 until 86, 85 or 86, um, that generation of pickup truck. And it was a sort of fun time. It was probably more fun for me than it was for you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only see the images of that. So, uh, but but I, I, I like the feeling of that, that time period. And um, so that truck, the, the, the S-grade really kind of uh, represents a little bit of that. I like that narrow body lifted look um, the that truck sitting on uh, white steel wheels which are really cool um, and you know they're I they're love neat. that white steel wheel thing I really do because I remember that and yeah, yeah and there's a, a coolness to it yeah know, absolutely yeah and so like the graphics are also this updated kind of three three stripe graphic um, that reminds you of that time period it's an update of the graphics that we used on the 720 but kind of done in a modern way so for that truck like uh, it's supposed to, hopefully, if you see it and you remember that generation of truck, like it brings back some memories and some smiles and things like that. And I think that's the cool part about trucks is the memories that you make with them and the road trips, the fun you have, helping people move and doing fishing trips, whatever, yeah. you know, so. The fact that you can call helping people move a fun thing <laughs> says very good things about you, actually. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that about, like, I like that about trucks. Like, um, when when I didn't have a truck, my friends with trucks were always the people that were helping you like do stuff. Right. You know, they're the kind of the capable ones, and I think that reflects in the truck buyers. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a bit about the next one then. Um, so the next one is uh, based on an SV grade truck, and um, that one is inspired from the hard body uh, pickup truck, the the D20 generation. The famous hard body. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that hard body design um, was the first production design done out of our studio and 
I looked at that design a lot when we were doing the Frontier. I, that's one of my favorite design Nissans. It's, it's super iconic to me. Um, when I see them on the roads, like they're instantly recognizable from any other, any other pickup truck. And so I think that's a really lasting uh, legacy for Nissan design. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a big home one. run. I, I, I'm lucky enough to have been uh, to the opening of the design center down there. Yeah. And uh, interviewed Jerry Hirschberg, of course. Yeah, who, during that uh, time. Yeah, founded yeah. that. Uh, so, and uh, that was a proud moment, I think, for that organization down there uh, when that truck really resonated. So to, to do something that kind of honors that is uh, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. We had a chance to um, look at that design a lot, and um, I, you know, there's a, a cleanliness to that that vehicle that I think it's it's still super modern, still super tough today. Um, so we wanted to bring some of the visual cues of that truck into um, this next generation one, and uh, you'll see it with the kind of the blacked out front end treatment. Um, obviously, the wheels are a very unique uh, statement on on the hard body and so we've reinterpreted those for the new frontier also they're they're not exactly the same wheel but if you know that original three spoke wheel and you see this new one there'll be a definite kind of connection um, and the graphic treatment is also kind of a throwback to that time period yeah, yeah. well that was a fun time period too yeah absolutely uh, yeah and uh, then tell us about the third so the third one, um, the third one isn't really necessarily heritage inspired. It's more kind of uh, lifestyle inspired. Um, it's it's an Overlander. It's uh, kind of our our take on an adventure truck. Um, so it's kind of an adventure truck, uh, circa 2022, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Overlanding is such the. It's thing. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So so that has like you know it has all the requisite um, items for Overlanding. Uh, but we wanted to give it our own little unique spin. So the graphic treatment of the body, um, it's, a map of the, it's a map of the whole country. And um, the idea behind that one is, you know, it's such a big country and the vehicle's called the Frontier. So like, why don't you go explore some new ones? Yeah, some um, new frontiers for that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had a lot of fun on that one too. Um, one of the parts that we designed and kind of prototyped in the studio was the snorkel. And so that was the first time that we've done any of that stuff. Uh, so it was kind of a cool And describe for our listeners what that's for, because they, it might be unfamiliar to them, a snorkel. Well, okay, so if you're, if you're in a dusty environment um, where the kind of, if you're in a dusty environment, the dust tends to settle lower. And so if you have a snorkel, it's, um, it's pulling air into the engine. By, in, into so the, the engine, engine can breathe cleaner air than cleaner it would air. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is or, a nice thing to do. Yeah. Or if you're going um, in, a, in a high water level, yeah. it works in that situation also. Right. So and that, uh, that truck in particular has a very serious lift, doesn't it? It's got a five-inch lift, yeah. So it's kind of a different category. Like climbing in and out of that one is, is, is an adventure, let's say. <laughs> you, yeah. need the step, you need the step rails for that right. one. What are some of the uh, you know primary things an overlander uh, should be thinking about? Well, um, okay, so the lift is really basic. Um, there's the sleeping arrangements. There's your ability ability to you know recover yourself um, if you get stuck in mud or any kind of any kind of um, bad situation. Um, there's the security aspect of it also. So um, that. That particular truck, um, there's a there's a tent mounted, you know, to the roof. Um, there's an eye camper tent mounted to the roof, and a large, very large, rigid light bar um, across the cowl 
across the upper upper windscreen. Um, so it's kind of overlandings about just exploring, going out exploring, but it's being self-sustaining, um, being able to stay within your own vehicle also. So you're not dragging a camper behind you. Would you say that's the most uh, visually arresting of the three, or uh, you know, do you have a favorite? You know, what would you say? I, you know, I enjoyed working on all of them because they're all kind of different, I think. And um, I, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that you know, when you see these trucks, that they bring a smile to your face um, in a different way. So they were all fun to work on, and um, they were all kind of unique to themselves. You know, I, I'd really enjoy all of them. I take the hard body. I take the uh, I take the gray truck too. Um, I'd, I'd love to have that truck parked in my driveway with white steelies. Like it's cool and yeah, um, super cool. The Overlander also. You know there is um, certainly utility attached with a five passenger truck, right? Yeah. Um, do you ever, as a designer, long for the cool factor of that you know two or three passenger truck that doesn't have a back seat? Um. Sometimes I do. Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I mean, the market the market demands. Most of the midsize pickups now are crew cab trucks, and people are buying them more for lifestyle vehicles. They're more being used as passenger vehicles more today than they were maybe you know twenty yeah. or thirty and that years ago. The empty bed is shorter than it used to be. <laughs> the empty bed is shorter, definitely. So there, there, people are buying it for a balance of utility and kind of functionality. Like they're using them as family vehicles. They're hauling their kids around in them. Their pets are coming inside the cabin now. Um, and there, there still is a king cab pickup truck that you can get if you want the longer bed and you want it more for the utility. Um, I mean, myself personally, I drive a two-door Pathfinder. Um, so that's kind of fun yeah. uh, to, you know, and it's definitely uh, a utility choice, let's say. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a choice. Uh, you yeah. know, an aesthetic choice, I think, as, as, as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. What's it like to have this blank canvas of the, the new frontier uh, and that you worked on uh, to do these other, to do the, the concepts? It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's just a fun opportunity. Most of the time on these projects, um, we don't get to do this this type of thing where we get to imagine what our what our frontier would look like after we've designed it, unless we're doing it in our driveway. So the chance to do three of them, three different ones, and kind of imagine three different styles, like it's just a fun and cool opportunity. Is there any sense that you might sell to upper management somewhere, you know, one of these to do as a you know, short run production vehicle, or is that not on the table? Um, these right now are a test bed. And so people are voting on them. I'm really hoping that uh, the reaction is really positive and it, uh, it's not something that I have to ask upper management to do, but maybe the public does. Ah, okay. So well, yeah. we could maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can maybe uh, make that happen or help make that happen. By yeah, definitely. People, you know, but that's check out Nissan, check out these vehicles and, and uh, make your voices heard. Absolutely. America. Yeah. So what else should our listeners know about uh, the Frontier truck before we, we let you go here? I, I think everything's been written about the Frontier truck um, already in the press. And so... Well, it's you, nicely received. It's been well received. Yeah, you make up your mind about it. Yeah. yeah. For for me personally, like the, the chance to be a designer and actually have have the product come out on the road. Um, that's kind of a unique unique and kind of nice opportunity to have that right. chance. 
Um, and the whole design team in, in California, you know, we've been like kind of living and breathing Frontier for the last, I think, two or three years since we started development of it. And so the whole studio is really proud to have a chance to have worked on it. And we're just looking forward to seeing them on the road, like moving stuff, going off road, living life. Uh, yeah, and, and being part being, of the fabric of America. Exactly, and being cool trucks, so. Well, thanks so much here in Patel. Thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road. It is Lister Question Time here on America on the Road. This is Jack D. Red with you, and uh, we're sad that uh, Chris Teague, our co-host, is not with us this week, but I'm soldiering on myself, and uh, we love to take your listener questions. I, I hope you enjoyed the uh, interview we just did with Hiran Patel, a really interesting guy talking about those Frontier pickup trucks, really cool trucks. Uh, you should take a look at them and you know, vote on them. You know, Let people know if you're excited about them. Let's go to a listener question that we have right here. Uh, here's a listener question. This is from Winona in Pueblo, Colorado. And this is what Winona asks. It seems like prices of new cars are going through the roof. A small SUV is uh, $30,000 or more. Should I continue to look at new vehicles or is a used car worth considering these days? I think that's a brilliant question, Winona. And I think this, there is no better time than now to look at used cars, although used car prices have uh, skyrocketed just like new car prices have. You can generally save yourself a significant amount of money by buying a fairly new but uh, used car, let's say two, three years old, coming off lease or something like that. There's a lot of money to be saved there, a lot of uh, depreciation costs that go away because somebody else has taken that depreciation, be it a rental car company or an individual, whatever. I think there's a lot of good reasons to consider a used car right now. Uh, despite the fact that uh, there's not a lot of supply out there. So shop carefully. Uh, but if you're looking for a, a $30,000, you're looking at a $30,000 small SUV new, you might be able to buy that, that same SUV for, say, $25,000 or, or even less than that. So uh, that's a big savings and, and worth considering. And uh, I guess that's our show for this week. Uh, we're happy that you were with us. I hope you enjoyed our special reports from the Chicago Auto Show. I hope that our co-host Chris Teague recovers from his stomach bug and uh, he's back with us next week. We always enjoy talking with Chris about cars. So, and we enjoy talking to you about cars. Uh, our thanks to uh, the SportsMap Radio Network and all the SportsMap Radio Network stations that carry America on the Road. And we thank you for listening to America on the Road. Uh, check out our podcast if you want. It's on all the major podcast outlets. And join us again right here next week for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you can save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. And if you're looking for a new car, a used car, just want car advice, want to learn about cars, go to drivingtoday.com. Drivingtoday.com, where there's a world of automotive information every week. It's the official automotive website of America on the Road. Drivingtoday.com.